Hi, everyone. Welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Vargamilas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. Welcome to summer. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> guys. I mean, just for everybody out there who who may have family members who are like, climate change isn't real. Uh, it is. We are recording this. It is not Easter yet when we are recording this. It is 90 degrees, 90 human degrees outside. I am sweating in my little recording closet. It is uncomfortable. I do not recommend it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> All right. Um. So other than your utter misery of heat in the closet, um, what did we talk about today? How my closet needs like a <laughs> air conditioning vent in it. <laughs> We'll figure that part out later. That, that's a, that's an off that's an off pod discussion. How timely, though, as we were about to discuss this, uh, a, a series in which they too do not have air conditioners <laughs> that are functional in their homes. Uh, we are here to discuss the first half of the twelfth season of hit period drama called The Midwife, and our friend Janet Mullaney is joining us to talk about crying, basically. <laughs> Yes. Hey, Janet. Hey, yes, lots, lots of crying, lots of catharsis. It is like this show. I say this every time we talk about the show, but it is really good. Like if you're just having like, like a bad day and you need to get some feels out or whatever. Like if you just need to get emotional and you need to direct it somewhere, like the show is great for that. Exactly. I, I want to know this is the Janet is our third guest who has come on to talk about this show. We used to have <laughs> Carmen, who was our recapper before Janet, and we used to have Nick on a bunch of times. Um, Oh, yeah. We wanted the male perspective. Yes. So Janet, um, you know, Nick always talks about the crying and how like this is a big family show and how they all sit on their couch and cry together when, you know, on Sunday nights. And the show is going to outlive all of us. It's going to be like season 97. It'll be 2003 and midwives. (laughs) I don't know. They'll be doing like Zoom consults or something. (laughs) All right. um, So, Jen, how do you feel about this show? Well, I I sort of like it and I don't like it. I sometimes ah! feel manipulated by it. That's a fair no, assessment. No, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> and on the other hand, it is also incredibly complex because you have at least three plot lines running per episode, plus any sort of overarching episode, any sort of overarching um, theme over the whole series, which I actually haven't really been able to figure out yet. Uh, I'm sure it will be coming to me sooner or later, unless it is the everlasting theme of, oh, an artist's house is doomed because of the medical establishment. I honestly think that is, in fact, the season-long arc um, again. Yeah, but I, I, I was disappointed because I think that's been played to death. I mean, the ceiling falls in or Sister Monica Jones, ta- Sister Monica Jones takes up <laughs> skydiving or something. Or, I'm not and, kidding. Um, I would watch that episode. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, life is life is never going to be the same. But in fact, it does go back to being the same. And because I was writing the recaps, I did do a bit of research on this. And apparently by 1968, very few babies were being born at home. I imagine in London, um, in rural areas, it might have been different. Um, and also in 1967, 
um, a report came out, it's called the Peel Report, claiming that hospital births were good and home births were not. That's actually fascinating in light of this week's episode that we just had where we had the woman who was trying to be all middle class and show off declare that she's going to go to a hospital and she's boasting about well you know they induce births now so you don't even have to wait you know you can schedule it um and 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 phyllis's absolute (laughs) horrified face um but you know i i honestly think this is the first time i've seen the show really deal with that um other other than that there's sort of been this, this this sort of they, they've sort of lent into the myth of the home birth and that poor women were still just giving birth at mm-hmm. home and that this this rush to uh hospitalization and 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 modernity didn't happen you know i wish that sh- i wish the show drew mm-hmm. a little clearer line about the reason that it didn't happen for some women is that those women were poor mm-hmm. i i feel like if it did it might mm-hmm. not it does feel, I agree with Jonathan, it does feel like the show doesn't deal with hospitalization. But I do think you're right that part of the reason why they don't is because their point is that these are poor women who can't get to a hospital. Which is weird because I think, well, at least in previous mm-hmm. seasons, this this season, it's not as much of a thing, I don't think. But the show has in the past done a really great job of kind of of bringing forward the fact that you know, their poor people exist. Their lives look different from people who are not poor, and you know, there's still joy to be found in those lives. They're not just like, oh no, the poor mm-hmm. people pity them. That kind of thing. That that's true. Well, I think what's also happening in this series is that the doc um, industry is dying, and. That is a bit of a surprise after you see all the dockers coming out to su- support Enoch Powell, um, which is just mind-bogglingly horrible. I wish the show had done more on that, actually, like because in the description of the season, they made it yes. sound like that was going to be an overarching thing, like that they were going to deal with this sort of... Because I don't know mm-hmm. anything about that. What, the, the nationalist rise of the late 60s? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't... I mean, I, it's kind of gross that we seem to go through these cycles every few decades. Yes. Or every decade, really, let's be honest. But, like, I thought that was going to be more mm-hmm. than just, like, one episode where some angry white guys, like, go to a march and then... And then one of them hits a child with their car and it's fine? I don't know. <laughs> Very, like, not as not as in-depth as I wanted it to be. <laughs> Suddenly he becomes everyone's good neighbor. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is because I've um I've covered, this is, Call the Midwife is the third show in a row to sort of hit this period. Is this like Ridley Road? Is this, is this like the Ridley Road thing? Yeah, oh, well, Ridley earlier? Road covered it, yes. And mm-hmm. so did Endeavor last a couple yes. seasons back. Oh, well, you know I don't remember anything about Endeavor. No, 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 I know. <laughs> but in in Endeavor did the same thing that Call the Midwife is kind of doing here, where it sort of touched on it in a single episode and mm-hmm. then sort of put to the side and pretended it it, it had dealt with things. Um, and I so I guess in mm-hmm. a way I'm not surprised that that's how Call the Midwife did it, since that's how I've seen other shows that are period pieces sort of deal with it mm-hmm. when they reach this point in the in the timeline. Um, that being mm-hmm. said, I don't think that's right. <laughs> well, and I think it sucks that like their one character of color has basically also like left the show too. Oh, so I thought that yeah. was actually really interesting. Yes. When they had Lucille as sort of the crux of like, here's what the neighborhood is doing, but they also know this woman who is an immigrant and and not white, and but they know her as a person because she's you know mm-hmm. helped their help them give birth or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought the scene where the pregnant lady started yelling at her about 
immigrants taking her spot in the delivery room was really affecting. Mm -hmm. And I wish that we'd done more, not maybe not necessarily more of that. I don't need to see, but so many people be racist overtly, but just more of like that tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when- How do you feel about her exit, Janet? I'm curious. Wait, I feel like Janet was going to weigh in with, with some context. Oh, I was I was going to say something else. I think I think the whole point about the home births is that the home births are working really well when um, the familial structure is in place, where you have like a tenement building where families are all crammed in together. Everyone knows each other's business. Neighbors help each other out. And the implication has been, but I don't think it's been made strongly enough that that way of life is going. Um, there are there's the docks were pretty much dead by 1968. And so what was happening to those families, they were probably moving out, they may have moved to high rises. And high rises were um, were terrible places for mothers with babies to live. Because, you know, if you're on the 12th floor and the elevator was broken, you would have to get your, your stroller or your gigantic pram all the way down the stairs and all the way up again. Uh, and so um and and so once you get those that family system broken broken up and the neighborhood being broken up because families are having to leave for economic reasons that would make sense that um mothers might not feel comfortable i mean um oh heavens i've forgotten her name the girl who wanted to be posh mm. and give birth in a hospital this is really embarrassing um you know she didn't have anyone and that was why she suddenly got very scared. Not only was she going into labor in an apartment that had no phone, but she didn't have any neighbors. Yeah. All she had was Phyllis. Yeah. Uh, Simo- and, and her name was Simone and the husband was Larry. Oh, that's uh, right. Yes. Thank you. It's okay. Um, I didn't want to interrupt she, you. She you literally were. has the document over in front of her. Don't, don't give her so much credit. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's not that I remember this. It's that I it's that I make sure the notes are in front of me. Anyway, um, my point being, um, so you're absolutely correct that this that, that, that basically she's all alone and Nurse Phyllis is the only one to come and rescue her and that that's all she really wants and that she's actually really mm-hmm. scared of this whole moving thing. And that even though she's boasting about like that she's going to be middle class now, the fact that she's leaving this place and she's going to live someplace in the suburbs where people are not crammed up next to her is actually quite frightening and it's a huge change Mm -hmm. i i do though want to return to lucille and the exit of lucille because i do think that is a major factor of the season and a huge loss for the show Mm -hmm. i agree i think it's weird that they seem to have left it so open-ended here we're only in the middle of the season so Mm -hmm. maybe by the end of it they like make this more clear but like She's not coming back from mm-hmm. Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> and that is actually one of the things about, that is actually probably the most unfair thing about the fact that this is not a day and date in the States and that we wait three months because that, was, that wasn't that was confirmed for audiences in the UK until after the finale. Um, whereas... Oh, did not know that because yeah. I saw it weeks ago in the trades. Right, exactly. Mm. You saw it weeks ago when it when the finale aired in the UK. Um, so we all already know that she's not coming back because that was confirmed before it started airing here. Um, and I think that that's one of those things where like we are a little bit at a disadvantage because we have prior knowledge that audiences in the UK did not have. So audiences mm. in the UK spent all season waiting for Lucille to come back from Jamaica and then she just never did. Oh, 
Well, my question was, why didn't Cyril buy her a return ticket? My question is, why didn't he go with her? Like, there's so many, like, so many questions. But yes, the fact that he didn't buy her return ticket Mm -hmm. is also pretty telling. Um, And I keep waiting for, like, one of those church ladies to move into his house and start cooking for him. And and that would be the end of Cyril. (laughs) I will say, before we get into, like, the specifics of, of her, of the fact that she has left the show... I, one of the reasons I think it's such a shame that she has left is that I thought the show was actually doing something really interesting and good mm-hmm. with its portrayal of her her struggle with depression and mental illness. And I think that that is mm-hmm. I think that was really well handled mm-hmm. and really well acted. And I wanted that to be um I've probably talked about this on the show before, but if I haven't, I am a person who is a fourth generation depressive and uh, we love SSRIs in my household and I take them and I love mine and there's nothing wrong with you if you do too. But um, as someone told me once, if your brain doesn't make the right level of serotonin, store-bought is fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's really important in our media to show that depression isn't something that that is wrong or bad it's an illness and it's an illness that you treat like any other illness and people struggle with it and people feel guilty for it and they feel like a failure because they can't get up in the morning but sometimes you just can't get up in the morning and you know that you should but you can't and i think it's really rare to see that portrayed honestly on tv in this way i thought it was Mm-hmm. Honestly, just fantastic that even though she left for Jamaica to try to to fix the things that she thought were broken in her life, the show did not imply that she would suddenly stop being a person who was depressed. Yeah. Like that's just like she that's just the mm-hmm. thing that you live with if that is an illness you have. And I I'm really sad that the show lost that because I think that's important to just have in our in our media. Mm. And I thought the show did it really well too. Yeah, it sort of bothered me because she'd been away for eight years and things would have changed in her family that she, you know, hadn't got from letters or phone calls. And I wonder, you know, how successful that is going to be for her because she is still a depressed person and, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's going to follow her. The black dog sitting on her shoulder to mix my metaphors. Yeah, to a uh, going to Jamaica is not a cure. It's it's it, it you know it's it's <laughs> it's like they say you know you can you know when back in the 1700s they say go to the seaside and you get all better. It's not actually that going to the seaside made you better. It's that the clear air that made you better. You know, and and <laughs> you know leaving London isn't going to make her less depressed. Um, I thought Leonie Elliot, who is the actor who plays <laughs> uh Nurse Lucille, is fantastic. And they were asking her to do a lot there, <laughs> not just the depressive storyline, though I loved that, but also dealing as their sort of avatar of race, which is unfair. Bit that is, I know it's a lot to ask of any one character mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. like, This is the lens through which we view race, yes, but it happens way too often on mm-hmm. period shows. And I, I'm, I'm, I think what I'm angriest about is that there, there, there wasn't an effort to add to, to find more black characters to add before, before she left to a take that off her shoulders mm-hmm. so that she wasn't doing both at the same time. And also, so 
if if an actress decides to leave or an actor decides to leave, you suddenly are no longer have a diverse cast because you only ever had one to begin with. Like that is just not fair on so many levels. And I think that's the thing that that, mm-hmm. that that upsets me about this the most is that I feel like Call the Midwife should be able to do better on that front and should be doing better on that front. And then mm-hmm. this exit in a way sort of exposed a place where they really aren't doing well and that they need to improve. Well, also, I mean, people who struggle with with um, I don't even know what the word for this is, but people who have mental health issues are are a demographic that also deserves stories told about mm-hmm. them. Can I just tell you, I love that Lucille went to the mm-hmm. doctor. Mm. It is so like, yes, especially in the 1960s. I, I, I mean, I used to be like, I don't need to see professional help about my I just am a person who feels sad sometimes. It's not it's it's a sickness. If you feel like this, talk to a professional. They can help you. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to feel bad about it. But I and I feel like that it's important that mm-hmm. she went to the doctor before she did self harm and mm-hmm. talked about it. And that's so rare. Yeah. Yeah. On television. And also that Cyril was so supportive of her. And although he- oh, I know Cyril is husband of the year. Mm. Oh, he's fabulous. I'd cook him dinner anytime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I think Lacey's drink just went up her nose. That was a very poor moment for me to choose to, to no, take a drink or something. But no, he's he says all the right he says all the right things to her, and he also doesn't push the spiritual mm. angle. I mean, I know that Mrs. Is it Mrs. Mm-hmm. Wallace, church, the church lady, is convinced that it is a sort of spiritual crisis, and I mean, a lot of people do consider depression in that way that it is like a sort of death of your soul it can feel like that but you know yes yeah but he is saying go to the doctor go to the doctor he is such a nice guy i know it's so rare that the partner is not presented as somebody who is angry at them Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean who's like angry at the person Mm -hmm. who is struggling with this for not just getting over it Mm -hmm. which is i think a, Mm -hmm. a natural understandable response especially when you you know, you can't figure out why this is happening to somebody you love. You don't know why they just can't get over it. But that's like the whole point of it is that you can't you can't get over it on your own. Mm-hmm. I also thought Dr. Turner hand, handled it really well, too, because chances are a doctor in that period would have told you to, you know, pull your socks up and um, get a grip. Here's yeah, some Mother's Little Helper and go on. Yes. Right. Did yeah. Mother's Little Helpers exist back then? Uh, yes. This was about the era of Mother's Little Helpers. This is when that song was written, in fact. Oh. Yes. Right. The other thing about Lucille moving on and um, and and there being kind of no replacement for her is because it's very obvious that the show has that happening with other characters, too. And there are sort of replacements stepping mm-hmm. up. Um, I, uh, the most obvious, of course, being Trixie, who is now engaged and moving up in the world from working class nurse to about to be middle class wife. Oh, I think Trixie was always somewhat middle class, but I didn't realize this until actually this season that Matthew is actually from a titled mm-hmm, yeah. family. He's an aristocrat. Oh, so he's rich, rich. Yes. Well, I mean, okay, why can't she just pay somebody to cook for them? <laughs> why is she in there making terrible food? Oh, my gosh. Oh, because because she's trying to be a sort of super wife, you know, and, and she's expected to be this fabulous hostess and look gorgeous, which she did, but she also looked like a deer caught in the headlights. Um, 
sat at the dinner table and um, and she's supposed to know the stuff about cooking. And of course, she's been in an artist's house for years, so she's never done any cooking, really. She does not strike me as a woman who enjoys cooking. Nope. I'm just going to put it out there. I think she likes the idea of cooking. I think she likes hostessing. That's yes. very different. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she likes hostessing, right? But listen, Matthew is Matthew's got money. She should just let him like do the money thing. I mean, he's not he's not he's not uh poor gentry, right? He's actually rich gentry. No, he's giving Anatas house money like all the time. Yeah. Ah! His father's a slum landlord. <laughs> and in fact, I Matthew, um this this comes up later, perhaps everybody except me knew this, um, which is embarrassing since I'm doing recaps, but um Matthew's father persuaded him not to go into law or not to practice law. I think he probably got a law degree from Oxford or Cambridge and persuaded him to come into the slum landlord business, which is why you had Matthew and his tenants in season 11, the hippies in the warehouse. And I mean, had Matthew and his father actually known that those tenements and those warehouses would be worth a packet oh, my Lord. in a few decades. <laughs> it is quite ironic. It, it, it kind of is, you yeah. know. I, I mean, honestly, like people just did Nazi mm-hmm. gentrification coming back in 1968. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also uh, want to... Uh, you know, because, you know, Trixie's sort of moving up in the world. She's now sort of dressing much more middle class and much more conservatively and much more like of her age. And so behind her, we have Nurse Nancy, mm-hmm. who is sort of the, the, the who's taking over the Trixie like fashionista look and the oh right like she actually is lower class though like she the 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 episode yes. where she'd never been taught how to handle money because her family had never had it i mean that that one hit yeah i i i thought that was mm-hmm. a great episode especially when she went to the pawn shop and she thought that she could and the guy's like a quid for this and she's like quid for the lot <laughs> Like it never occurred to her that all the everything she bought basically would have no resale value whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was really in a horrible position. Mm-hmm. I mean, she could have lost her job. She could have been taken to court um, if she if she was falling behind on payments, and then and then the television is repossessed in front of her daughter. And in front of Nurse Phyllis, I mean, how embarrassing is that? Yeah. Um. So they still they still put you in court when you were in debt because you know here in America you can just wander around with like twenty k credit card debt like every month, and all they freaking do is like raise your interest rates very quietly so that you can never actually dig your way out. Like that's what they do here. No, I think I think they took it very seriously, and I mean, if you declared bankruptcy, essentially it would ruin you financially. You wouldn't be allowed to have a bank account, and in fact, I don't I don't know that. I, I think probably in the sixties, women had to get permission from um, a responsible adult. Male. Adult, yeah, to open a bank yeah, account. That's true. Which is which is why Nancy has a post office savings book, which is you know the way people used to save. Uh, because most people, probably working class, lower middle class, didn't have bank accounts then. I just felt that her whole, the whole story, like, you know, she doesn't have anything. So she's going out, she's buying things to sort of fill that hole was so well done. Mm, yeah. Uh, of all of the episodes in this half of the season, I think that's the thing. That's the one that's going to stay with me. 
And not just because I thought her dresses were great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, her clothes were absolutely amazing and the colors were so great. And it's funny because a lot of the time I get sort of annoyed by the decor and so on in Call the Midwife um, because it really was an era of some fantastically <laughs> ugly stuff. And I'm not talking about the op art stuff, but like regular wallpapers. Um, I used to live in a place that had some wallpaper that looked like it looked like a succession of nasty faces on the wall. It was really horrible. And, uh, you know, sort of. Aesthetics went out the window for a time there, and also the 1950s stuff. Can we talk about Sister Veronica, who I love? Oh yes, actually, that's a really good that's a really good uh, uh, segue out of Nurse Nancy, since it's Sister Veronica who sort of helps her. Yes. How do we feel about Sister Veronica? Because mm -hmm. she's sort of introduced as obnoxious in the first episode, and she's a total tryhard. Mm -hmm. I love her. <laughs> I think she's great. She annoys huh? everyone and she gets stuff done. That is not a bad way to be. It's a winning combination. I also think it's so interesting that she is a complete liar. <gasps> oh, yeah. Like, she just tells, like, little white yes. lies all over the place, which is amazing mm -hmm. to me because she is literally a mm -hmm. nun. <laughs> but... I, I don't know. It's like it's like a, a service of the greater good kind of lying I love which when she wanted to when she got her little scooter I was just like okay girl <laughs> um I, I have to say um Janet you noticed uh you noted before we started that sister Veronica's arrival kind of comes at a moment when we have a shortage of nuns yes I think they were down to one and a half <laughs> I, I oh is that sister Monica Joan the one half <laughs> sister Monica Joan is the half <laughs> Yes, is, is the half. Yeah, so there's so there's nobody to sing compline with, and Sister Veronica can sing. And did did you notice also? I think it was the beginning of the episode about Nancy and oh, her, the, and, the, the and her money cone? troubles. Nancy was the, the ice cream cone. Sister Veronica takes a sneaky lick of the ice cream cone. That was such a brilliant, mm -hmm. brilliant touch. I just love that. <laughs> she seems like a cool, like a regular person who also happens to be. <laughs> um, yeah, I do have to say there is a level of non-angelicness to her that we have not seen in the nuns <laughs> that come through. She's just a straight up mm -hmm. liar. I'm like, okay. You know, like sister, I don't think this is all right. I but... mean, Sister Juliet and Sister Monica Joan are presented a bit as like, you know, angels on earth. I mean... Even 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 yes. Monica Joan can go around nursing people, like you know, even though she's you know 117 at this point. Um, I think she's supposed to be in her 90s. I will tell you, at least this season, I feel like they've actually used Monica Joan a lot better than they have in seasons past. Like we don't have the weird subplots where it's mm -hmm. like the third plot of the episode is Sister Monica Joan does something wacky. Yeah. Instead, she actually seems to <laughs> to have a role in most of these episodes, and a lot of them are really tied to the fact that mm -hmm. she is 117. <laughs> so she knows the she knows the Maypole dances. She knows what to do in a quarantine situation yeah like she's actually been useful as opposed to again ma wacky hijinks yeah and she knows how to look after babies i mean that's a skill she's never lost and i think also when you think about it i mean if she was born in the i don't know 1880s she's probably in her career she's seen a lot of babies die for no good reason mm. so she had that experience she knew what to do I, and I also really just love the scene when she was defending Nurse Crane. 
Oh. I thought that was such a great... Mm-hmm. I thought that was oh, such yes. a great scene. I thought it was a great performance. I thought, again, it was a really mm-hmm. smart use of the fact that Sister Monica Joan is 117. <laughs> because she she has, like, yes. you know, she's... She has nothing to lose. And she doesn't care. <laughs> um, I, 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 I have to say that, yes, that speech in front of the board was fantastic. Especially when she pointed out that Phyllis is younger than every mm-hmm. single last one of them sitting up there. <laughs> But it it also, to me, very much sort of encapsulated the fact that the arc this season is almost certainly that those very old men are going to come around and and attempt to close Nanata's house as they harumphit to death. I don't know. Yeah, they should really be dressed in Victorian clothes, you know, tall hats and have big moustaches that they they twirl like like villains. I mean, and Threepwood, I mean, what a Dickensian name. It really is. I, w- I will say, though, back to Sister Monica Joan, this is the first season in a long time where it's, to me, actually felt like like she ha- still has a place in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, the past few seasons, yes. it's been like, oh my gosh, yeah. when are they just going to let poor Sister Monica Joan go off to the, like, non-retirement home or whatever? But she really feels very central to the story this season and that hasn't happened in so mm-hmm. long i will absolutely agree that that is one of the mm-hmm. that is actually a highlight of the season is the fact that the the lack of nuns means that they have to treat monica joan much more seriously than they have when they had an entire parcel of them and this random old one over there mm-hmm. yeah, like remember that season she like made a garden garden of babies in the yard or something like this is wild weird stuff and <laughs> I mean, now it's it's so much better. Mm-hmm. I also I think I've said this before, but I think I've said this before, but I also really enjoy that Monica Joan is still one of the most like overtly spiritual characters on the show. Because I think that a lot of time, I mean, I know it's a show that has nuns in it, but a lot of times it's not necessarily so much about the God part mm-hmm. of it. And we all know I love a show about God, but so I feel like she's a good mm-hmm. conduit for that part of the stuff too. Yeah, yeah, she's sort of their sister Hildegard of Bingham, isn't she? But without the music. <laughs> that was a joke just for me. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, anyway, so uh, let's see. What other things about this season have uh, struck you? Um, I, I mean, obviously, my, uh, the sister Veronica and her and 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 her lying. Um, I keep. Wa- I'm kind of waiting for that to sort of like come back around again and actually be a thing. Um, especially because uh, mm-hmm. Sister Julianne doesn't seem to like her very much. Um, and I'm sort of waiting for that to sort of build into something. Well, I think she and Sister Julianne do become closer as time goes on because, and I think it's a question of hierarchy. Mm. Say more. Because she's her boss. Because, yes, well, S- Sister Julianne is the boss and Sister Veronica is like, the sort of CEO, she, she's the administrator. So that's why she's doing a lot of stuff and going to visit families and telling them they can get their teeth fixed on the national health and that sort of thing. Although I did like, I did like when she delivered the baby. Um, that was the racist woman who mm. lost it in the delivery room. Um, because Sister Veronica came in and she was just cheeky and sort of rude and they got on with it. And then she teared up at the end. And I thought that was just terrific. I like her so much. One thing I do sort of feel has not been as prominent this season is Dr. Turner's heroism. 
Well, I think it has. It's in quieter ways, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if that anything's going to top the whole like a train, a train derailed in our backyard and <laughs> he had to like be bleeding out while he was treating patients with his teenage son. So mm-hmm. the bar is high. I, I did like they brought back Tim um, in this past episode, by the way. Um, and I think that's actually oh, yeah. a very useful sort of uh, perspective to have a young doctor and an older doctor. Um, I, I do wish that it wasn't quite as nepotistic mm-hmm. as it is. But I mean, I suppose that's just how things sort of roll. No, I mean, it still happens. I love my doctor, but mm-hmm. he used to be in practice with his dad. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I also, uh, you know, I just I... I there was a point there around the time when Monica Jones was sort of not being used very well, where it felt like Dr. Turner was sort of the 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 angelic leftist um, that sort of uh, uh, embodied uh, a kind of leftism that was um, that is idealized. Say say more about this, please, because I'm not quite following. OK, so the mm-hmm. thing is, is that there were some seriously fire breathing leftists in the UK in the 1960s. Like, mm-hmm. what I would call counterparts mm-hmm. to the right wing we see today. And one of the things the show never, ever seems mm-hmm. to ever want to do is talk about that. It wants its liberals to be good liberals, mm-hmm. to be reasonable liberals, to be smart liberals, but not fire-breathing crazy liberals. And I've always felt that Dr. Turner, especially mm-hmm. as he became more prominent in the show, sort of embodied that idealized leftism so that the show didn't have to kind of deal with the reality of history and i feel like this season part of his stepping back is really helpful because instead of having and i don't know if this is because this is a reaction to the actual world that is happening in the uk and that during brexit we sort of they sort of needed a a a leftist hero on TV, the same way that like the West Wing had uh, ha- had uh, uh, Martin Sheen during the Bush years, Josiah President Josiah Bartlett, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just saying like, have you actually tried to watch the West Wing like in 2023? Because yes, you shut your mouth. Okay, I'm just saying. Stuff. I watch I watch Shibboleth. I watch Shibboleth <laughs> and the Indians in the lobby every Thanksgiving. Wow. Okay, I was just gonna say like there are parts of that show that have not aged well. Anyway. Point being that, like, it was very much a response to a political about uh, to, to the real world at the time. And I'm sort of wondering if one of the reasons that Dr. Turner seems to sort of have calmed down a bit is because the UK has sort of, I don't know if calmed down is the right word, but sort of resigned itself to whatever is, mm. and there's no longer this, 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 this quite so hot rage. I just think it's because he's on the show less. Mm. <laughs> And I'm just gonna put the set Occam's razor, baby. Okay. Hey, hey, hey I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna argue that, Janet. Um, how do you feel about the way that they sort of deal with the politics of the show? Well, there aren't really any politics in the show, which I think is a loss to it. Um, I agree. This is why I was so mad they didn't do more with with what's Enoch yes. what's face. Like, ah, uh. en- Enoch Powell. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I sometimes I think my ideal. Um, TV show would be a blend of Ridley Road, Call the Midwife, and Small Axe. I think that would be absolutely brilliant. Oh man! Oh, you know, I'm one of 
Small Axe was one of those shows that kind of flew under the radar here in the U.S. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but got real big play in the U.K. And I really wish that it had been bigger here because it was so well done. Mm -hmm. It was on Amazon here, so nobody knew it was here. And it's not just that it was on Amazon. It was also the fact that it was basically a series of movies masquerading as a television show. And so there was this level where critics also didn't know how to categorize it. Um, whereas in the UK, they simply treated it as a mm -hmm. television show of movies because the UK is also used to like mm -hmm. TV shows that go on for longer than an hour, you know, <laughs> they have stamina. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like what do we do when we get feature length episodes around here? We basically divide them in half and make them the 10 PM hour, um, after all creatures great and small. I'm not talking about Fiona blood at all. Am I? Um, but my point being, <laughs> <laughs> But my point being is that this is a thing that we actually do do to British shows when they come over here is that we divide them up because people mm -hmm. can't handle feature length episodes. Um, and so I think that was part of the problem with Small Axe. Anyway, um, that was just basically my, my, my plug for Small Axe. People should watch it. It's on Amazon. It's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really think the answer is more diversity in the cast. I mean, they have got to do that. Um, and considering that there was such a such a large um, Asian population in London at the time. And when you say that, you mean South, uh, you mean South Asian. Because um, remember, we are an American audience here and people. Yes, right. right. Yes. We, right. Yes. Asian meaning India, Pakistan, um, as well mm. as the Windrush gen generation. And I really don't think that's given enough play. That's a period drama I would watch, by the way. Oh, the Windrush Generation is actually coming. Um, it is uh, yes. Uh, Lenny, uh, Lenny, Sir Lenny Henry, uh, is producing it along with Russell T Davies. Uh, it's going to be called Three Little Birds. Oh, we love that. Um, and it's supposed to be coming out, I believe, in twenty twenty four. It's filming now. Wow, what else? Can, what else can I manifest <laughs> randomly? Um, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Janet, you were saying before I suddenly ran in with like random television news. <laughs> Oh, I can't remember. Um, no, I think they do need more more political. I I mean, the whole issue of the dock of the dock work drying up, and it happened very suddenly. Uh, I was talking to my brother about this, and he I'd sent him a a book for his birthday or something of the Thames, and he said it brought back so many memories for him that you could actually see the ships down on the Thames, and then they were gone because the docking industry just stopped. And you didn't really see this happen. I think in the first episode of this season, there was a mm -hmm. docker who was out of work or yes. hanging around the pub too much. And uh, he's he's the one who bec who, who became very right wing. Um, and, then, um, and then you realize that in fact, virtually no one has any work in the docks. So people are disappearing, people are going, and there's not much of an there's not much of an emphasis on that either. Out of curiosity, because I don't actually know the answer to this, would an episode that was fully devoted to the collapse of the dock workers be controversial in the UK? I don't think so. I don't think it's it wouldn't be as controversial, say, as mm. uh, you know, the Thatcher era, era, which is coming up fast. I'll call the midwife. So, <laughs> so that's that's something to look forward to, sort of. Um, 
I know. This this show's been renewed through what, like season sixteen or something, right now. Like season four, season fifteen. We are going into the seventies. Um, I mean, honestly, Male Midwives started in nineteen seventy five. If we get to like season eighteen or nineteen, we should reach that. Um, if we go into the seasons twenty somethings, mm-hmm. yes, Thatcher Thatcher will walk on. And the only question is whether or not they recast Gillian Anderson as Thatcher again, or if they let somebody else play it. Yes, it's hard to know how the upbeat, warm, cuddly personality of the show will actually continue. And this season, they are getting into some very dark stuff. Oh my gosh, wait, can we talk about the thing I hated the most this season? Oh, what? I do not need marital rape on my TV. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, but that's actually like a real thing. And honestly, like... It is a real thing, yeah. I know, I know, but I was just like, that episode just felt like it went on forever. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but there, in, in the things in the dark things that Call the Midwife deals with, this was <laughs> one I was glad to see them tackle. I mean, because I feel like that's something that doesn't get tackled a lot in its in its attempt mm-hmm. never to give us poverty porn. There is a level where spousal abuse. Mm-hmm really is sort of elided in a lot of ways oh gosh i'm about to ask a question to which i do not know if i want to know the answer but do we know when rape stopped being a property crime i believe that was not until the late 1970s well there was in england there was um the 2003 act ah yes when spousal rape was recognized as rape i'm sorry you also said the year of our lord 2000 and what three (laughs) yeah that's great three Yeah, I believe here in the States, it was the late 70s, early 80s when mm-hmm. you started seeing laws against it mm. in the wake of Roe. Um, but I don't think there was a national law in the States until later. Mm. It was more state by state. Um, and yeah, I did. You actually mm. put that in your recap about the fact that it wasn't that that the UK didn't even do anything about it till two thousand and three. Well, I think there was yeah. an earlier sort of half-hearted attempt in the nineties, maybe. I'm only sorry, no one can see the faces that I've been making for the past like fifteen <laughs> seconds. It's a, I've been on a I've been on a face journey. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting episode because. Uh, the whole relationship between that woman and her husband was so transactional. I thought that made a lot of sense in a way, because after she talked about how struggle, how much she struggled with not eating. Mm. It did. Yeah. I will do this for you. You do this for me. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of, I mean, okay. I really do not need any more rape on my television. Just full stop. But I also did not like the way that they sort of tied it all up in a bow at the end, being like, mm-hmm. well, she'll just get divorced yes. and she'll be fine. Mm. I'm like, that woman already was like marrying a man so she could eat. Mm. She's not yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting that they managed that they that they that it gave them a chance to remind us that Buckle also came yes. from basically the same sort of situation where a mom who left the husband and never and was basically homeless and he basically lived in alleys as a kid. I think what it was, it was more that um, his father would come home probably drunk and abusive, and she would take the kids and they would just walk the streets and then go back home when it was safe. You know, the fact that she was hoping to get a divorce um, was, well, it's very unsatisfactory. It left us all hanging. I mean, whether whether we will see her turn up again, I don't know. 
because chances are she might make another marriage like that. Oh, I mean, I'm not even judging her if she did. Like, you know, she's survival is survival. Yes. But like pretending like that she suddenly like her life was going to be a lot better because she got rid of one abusive man. This is not Mm. like the system is not set up for women like her to get rid of the abusive men. Mm -hmm. So shall we uh, final thoughts on this season so far? Well, my thought is that, you know, you can enjoy Call the Midwife and go into a nice sort of happy teary fug and there are nice little slippery babies being born. Um, but so much bodily fluid. Can we just like dial it down? It is a messy business. Mm. <laughs> and I particularly hate, I particularly hate the forceps. My daughter, who is in her thirties, plot about the forceps. I just, oh. Oh. my daughter, who is in her thirties, has a scar under one eye from her forceps. So yeah, they can really bang you up. Her her first photographs in the hospital showed this black-eyed creature. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Um, but uh, when you start looking at it and thinking about it. Raises all sorts of questions, and it it isn't as satisfying. So I think you need an absolute suspension of disbelief. Yes, this was the golden age of home births and lovable cockneys and all the rest of it, and it doesn't tip too much over into that, but it does get awfully close, and that's disappointing. You know, you said that this is where uh, that call the midwife has been getting darker and it actually occurred to me when you said that that in in actual history in a few years this is when my dad basically completely lost any hope of getting work in the uk and my parents came back to the u.s because basically Mm -hmm. the bottom dropped out over there and it, it occurs to me since we are actually going to go into the 70s do we think this this show is going to just get darker as it goes along before things start lightening up again? Well, you know, I'd like to think that the series, you know, because it is so well-loved, that um, it would end on some sort of a high point. And and it strikes me as being sort of odd that if Nanata's house is in jeopardy, why um, is not Sister Veronica and and... Sister Julianne strategizing to work with the pro-hospital system in some way. So mm. we'll see, I guess. I have no idea. Lacey, final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts from me. I think at this point in season 12 of this show, you pretty much know what you're getting with Call the Midwife and you know what you're what you're not getting and you know whether this is a show that works for you or that doesn't work for you and i have thought the season is fine uh i don't think it's the best season the show's ever done i certainly don't think it's it's certainly leaps and bounds better than last season Mm -hmm. so that is a plus um it's it's fine that's like uh, like it's it's exactly what you think it's going to be for the most part and for good and for ill and I think that's part of the reason that it's gone on for so long is because people know exactly what they're going to get from the show. Mm-hmm. And it 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 does the things that it does really well. And it's 
it, it's a what it says on the tin show. It is exactly what it says on the tin show. Like I've, I really like some of the the characters that they've introduced this season. I love that Monica Joan is not a joke anymore. I some of it is a little, um, a little dark for me, and a little dark to no real end, which I wish the show was doing more with. Um, I think it's important. I think it is important to show all of these things in truth and in fact, and to educate people that this is what lives were like what the lives of women were like then both for women who were married or single or rich or poor but i wish that uh it didn't feel like the show turns away right at the worst parts of it kind of in an in an attempt to make you feel warm and fuzzy by the end but (laughs) call the midwife still going yeah this show is definitely one of those shows like uh, This Is Us, where I feel very manipulated every time I burst into tears, and then I'm crying anyway. It is very manipulative, though, a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. And I don't even necessarily mean that in a bad way, but sometimes I do mean that in a bad way. <laughs> um, but I think I will probably continue to allow it to do its thing every time I need a good cry. Were those your final thoughts? Those are my final thoughts. I guess that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> What an anticlimactic <laughs> ending. Um, Janet, uh, Janet, as always, thank you for joining us. And I look forward to reading your recaps of the rest of the season, because at least they make me laugh, even when the show topic is dire. <laughs> but uh, tell the people where you live on the Internet. Uh, well, I sort of live on Twitter. Uh, Janet underscore Mulaney. I do very little there. Um, I probably do even less than Facebook. I may start p- putting up pictures of my garden soon. Um, uh, and occasionally when I think of it, I, I am really bone idle about this. I I put up a link to what I've written on television. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm around as a sort of benign <laughs> presence more than anybody actually being energetic and active. Annie, you're up. Are you a benign presence? Am I a benign presence? I am a cat posting presence is what I am. Uh, I You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter and basically any other social media of your choice. Uh, you can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and my very fuzzy Max who had to go to the vet and stay overnight. But now he's home and he's fine. Um, at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, I am the associate editor here at Televisions and I also freelance around the web. I have posts going up in places like CNN and MSNBC and Primetimer and so forth. So basically, if you follow me on social media, you will find out what I wrote today. Um, so yeah, just uh, follow me and see what I wrote. Dun, dun. Uh, I am probably not a benign presence on the internet, but I am at LaceyMB on Twitter and every other social media site you can think of. I love nothing if not consistency in branding and also cat photos. If you just want the site and the pod, we are on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. If you like what we do, you can visit us at televisions.org on the World Wide Web. Do people still say the World Wide Web? I just did it. Uh, Where we have recaps, news, listicles, all kinds of fun stuff and a big old donate button up top if you want to help us keep making all of this content that we churn out day in and day out. Uh, If you do that, you can also get access to PBS Passport, which is bursting with exclusive and early binge opportunities for things. If you don't want to wait to see the end of Sanditon and Marie Antoinette, Passport members can go watch them right now. I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers, please. And I believe there are roughly 7 million Walter's Choice shows. And I don't even know what else. We have guides for this. Go check them out. 
that is our show for this week. As uh, always, thank you guys for listening. If you two need to work out your HVAC situation at home, I suggest you do it now before real summer gets here. It is brutal. Uh, And if you, like many of us, struggle with depression or mental health problems, trust me, I say this from experience, there is help out there from so many sources. You are not alone and it will be okay. I promise. Thanks as always, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.